Freedom Digital Media presents the Enough Podcast by Anna Laramore, helping the modern millennial woman rediscover her worth and identify her boundaries in business, relationships, friendships, and more. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Enough Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Laramore. And I'm so happy that you've tuned into episode six. This episode is very different from any episode we've had so far. We do have a guest today, but we will not be calling her because she's sitting right next to me. My personal esthetician, Rachel Ferraro, is here with us in studio today. I cannot wait for her to introduce herself and for us to talk about all things skincare. If you follow me on Instagram or you know me personally, you know that I really, really love skin. And I can't wait to talk more about that today and talk about kind of why I love skin and why I wanted to bring Rachel onto the podcast. So if you listened to episode three, you heard me discuss how and why I started working for Sephora. Basically, I had a job that I hated right out of college. And when I quit that job, I wanted to pursue something I was passionate about while I took the time to kind of figure out where my career was headed. So three years later, I'm still working there. I got hired as a coordinator. So I was essentially like a head cashier and doing some operational things with like our software and training employees and things like that. But After I got my full-time job at the Baltimore Sun and I wasn't able to work for Sephora full-time anymore, I needed a different position, a part-time position, if I wanted to stay, which I did. Uh, And I chose to go into skincare. And the reason why actually didn't really come from a passion. Uh, It kind of came from a self-esteem issue where I kind of felt like I wasn't qualified enough to work in color. So if you don't know, color is what we call makeup at Sephora. And I just work with so many incredibly talented people who work at Sephora, who work in that world. That's what we call each of the sections at Sephora. We call them worlds. So we have fragrance, uh, skincare, which also includes hair care, and color. So I thought, well, skin can't be that hard. I have great skin. I was blessed with clear skin in my genetics, so very grateful for that. And I thought, well, I'll just go into skin. Can't be that hard. Turns out there was a lot to learn about skin, everything from which ingredients not to mix to which ingredients do certain things and so much more. But I started learning a lot about skin at Sephora. They do a really, really good job training us and having brands come in and train us in person and give us product to you know tangibly play with and learn about. And um, we have to watch a bunch of videos every time we work a shift, videos that come straight from the brands where we're learning about their ingredients and their missions and all of the things. Uh, we have to read a lot of things and they put us through in-person trainings as well like behind the scenes at Sephora so I get a lot of free product from these brands like I was saying also I obviously have a Sephora discount so yes I do have very clear skin I'll go ahead and give myself that compliment but by the way I spend a lot of money on it I'm able to get my hands on a lot of products because of those perks of my job Um, obviously it wasn't always like that and also I was blessed with good jeans that's a pun If you know why, then you get me. So don't feel discouraged if you're not comfortable in your skin. There's so much that goes into it. We're going to talk more about this in this episode today and how empowering it can be when you literally feel comfortable in your skin. So in summary, I became a Sephora skincare consultant kind of as a result of low self-confidence. And I'm so glad it happened that way because I really like it and I feel really passionate about it now. Um, When I was growing up, I loved beauty products, always have. My mom and my older sister always had a ton and I would play with them anytime I could get my hands on something, but I really didn't have an appropriate and true skincare routine until I graduated from college. Uh, Prior to that, I was honestly just using a drugstore cleanser and Olay moisturizer, and I can't believe I'm admitting this. Here's my huge confession of the episode. I used to sleep in my makeup sometimes, 
And now if you know me or follow me, you know that I have a really extensive routine. Uh, you can check out my Instagram stories for more specific information on what that is. And we'll touch on that a little bit in this episode, but I was not always super knowledgeable about this. I learned a lot in the past few years. Now I did work at a salon and spa as my first job when I was in high school and I did it throughout college as well. And even a little after college. So beauty in general is something I've always had some knowledge in, but the nitty gritty is really stuff that I've learned in the past few years, the past three years to be exact. So I wanted to include this little bit um, because I think that skincare is really overwhelming and intimidating for some people. Like more often than not, when I have a client walk into the back of Sephora where I'm standing, where skincare is, they're like too afraid to ask me a skincare question because they don't want to sound dumb or whatever. Uh, and what they don't realize is that I wasn't born with this knowledge and Nobody was born with this knowledge. Most people don't know this stuff. So if you don't know what you're doing with skincare, you are so totally not alone. Um, we're going to teach you some things today, but you're not alone. So don't be intimidated. Um, so if we rewind, when I moved back home to Maryland after graduating college, I needed a new esthetician because... A, I just needed somebody to wax my eyebrows, honestly, since I was leaving my Mississippi girl. Uh, and B, my skin was kind of going crazy because I was moving from one climate to another. So obviously Mississippi is really humid um, and that can definitely have an impact on your skin when you make a move like that. So my best friend Sydney recommended Rachel and that was three years ago, almost exactly, I guess. Um, I never stopped going to her. I never will stop going to her. She's become such a good friend of mine and I've learned so much from her and I'm really excited to dive into some, some more of that today. So I also do wanna say if you aren't particularly interested in skincare or even beauty at all, still stick around for this episode because we're really gonna be talking about careers in general. So things like what to do if you wanna make a radical career change and how to grow your business in a small town, how to balance being a mom and a business owner. So things like that, not just beauty. We have a lot we're gonna be discussing today and we're gonna get right to it. Please welcome Rachel Ferraro. Hey Rachel, how are you? I'm good, Anna, how are you? I'm good, I'm so excited to have you in the studio with us today. I just, I know that this episode is gonna be um, just really, really insightful for people who have questions about skin and career and all the things. So if you wouldn't mind, let's just start by having you introduce yourself and telling us a little bit about your business. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, by the way. Uh, my name is Rachel, and I actually sort of like fell into aesthetics. It didn't really, it was not something that I was thinking I was going to do my entire life. Um, I went to college in upstate New York, and I graduated with a degree in human development. And I worked with children for a number of years, and my idea was that I was going to go back and get my master's in social work or counseling. I wasn't sure if I, which one it was going to be. So um, I was living in Maryland for two years and was working for a nonprofit organization and then went back to New York to visit my mom. And she had been, I honestly credit my career to my mother because A, she has gorgeous skin. Part of that is genetics. But she had been get, she's been getting facials for well over 20 years, like long before I feel like we're, people were getting oh, facials wow. regularly. I mean, in other countries, people that's just like how you bring up your kids. Kids start getting facials at, in like their early teens, which I feel like Americans should follow suit with that. But anyway, um, so I went back to New York. I went to go visit her, and she sent me to her esthetician. And I just got to talking with her, and I was kind of like, you know, this seems like a really interesting career. Maybe it's something I can do while I'm getting my master's. Like it's kind of like something of – uh, like a fun thing to sort of do on the side. So fast forward, I came back and my husband, or my husband now, boyfriend at the time, thought it was crazy because I was like, all right, so I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go to school full time. And it took, it's 600 hours in the state of Maryland. 
So I went for, it was like almost five months, nine to five, Monday through Friday. And then I got a job on Saturdays and Sundays working at a salon as a receptionist. So um, I did it and I met some wonderful people, made some great connections in school. Um, and what I realized coming out of school is that you really learn everything, the majority of it, once you start to get your hands on people, because that's like a whole nother ballgame. Right. I mean, I felt like it was a good foundation for me. But then once I started my career, I honestly totally fell in love with it and was like, okay, master's, schmasters. I don't know if I'm going to go back for it. And now 14 years later, here I am still doing aesthetics and I have totally loved it. It has been, it's worked so well for being a mom, which I never thought of at the time. You know, I didn't think about the fact that it, you know, allows you a lot of flexibility, but um, yeah, that's, that's sort of how it just all happened. Well, I'm so grateful it did because <laughs> you are the little fairy godmother of my skin. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about that career change that you did where you didn't sure. end up getting your master's because mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people who are tuning into this episode right now and who just listen to the podcast in general who want a career change or they have a passion that they haven't pursued and you know they would love to but they're scared. Mm -hmm. What kind of advice do you have to give to those people who maybe want to take that plunge but don't know how or they're too afraid? Right. I mean, I would I would definitely do your research first. I mean, at the time when I thought about going into it, I started to look around and realize that the industry was starting to blow up. You know, almost 15 years ago, between 15 and 20 years ago is when the beauty industry really started to take off. And more salons opened, more spas opened. It became more commonplace for people to start to get facials. You know, think about, I know when I was a teenager, you didn't get pedicures on a regular basis. You didn't go to a spa to get facials. That just didn't exist. It wasn't a thing. So, um, you know, do your research. Make sure that there is that you're setting yourself up for success, at least. Or, you know, in the beginning, of course, it's going to be a struggle. Know that, um, you know, going into it, I knew I was going to get paid commission only. So know that you're you're going to need to learn and understand how to balance your budget when it comes to that. And I was still working at the front desk while I was working as an esthetician in the beginning. So I was getting paid hourly and getting commissioned. So figuring out a way to balance all of that. Um, you know, if you have other people that I know that have done this have worked like you have, where you're working one job and starting another one at the same time. So you have that stability of your income, but you're still pursuing whatever it is that you want to do. Um, and just don't be scared. I'm always somebody that's like, I like change. I enjoy it and I embrace it. Um, I don't like, uh, I don't like just the, um, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to think of. <laughs> I don't like when things are unstable. I don't like that feeling, but I definitely embrace change. And I feel like I learned at a fairly young age. I mean, I don't know if this is, you know, something I've ever shared before, but, you know, I lost my father as a teenager. And I think that that sort of sparked me to realize life is short. And if there's something you want to do, do it now. Don't wait another 15, 20 years because you don't know if you're going to have those 15 or 20 years. Um, so I feel like that has always, that's always kind of sparked me. I've never you know, I've changed jobs and been okay, and then, like I said, changed careers. And within that career, I've I've had many lives within the you know aesthetics industry for sure. So, yeah. wow. So, at what point did you realize that you had made the right choice? Like, was there an aha moment in your in this new career of yours, this new endeavor, where you were like, "This is where I'm supposed to be," mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful. It is. It definitely is. Um, I I feel like it was a few years into working. Um, I was working at a larger, uh, almost like a destination spa feel, and um, I started to get feedback from clients where they were like, wow, 
you know, this, you have magic hands. And, you know, I, I was you becoming, well, that's good to hear. But <laughs> <laughs> it was more, I guess, doing facials, less less about the waxing. I mean, the brows always, they, they became my thing. That's definitely my obsession oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, it was more the feedback that I was starting to get from my clients where I realized that I was like their respite from stress and sometimes loss, like major loss in their life, they would come in and just feel like they needed to find some peace and solace. And it was an amazing feeling to know that I wasn't just, you know, doing facials and making people feel pretty when they left. I was more, their mental state felt so much lighter and more peaceful when they left. And that's why I was like, all right, this is, this was totally where I was meant to be. I feel like those moments are, they're just so like integral in feeling like you're on the right path mm -hmm. and I feel like so many people are a little bit discouraged after making a career change because they haven't had that moment yet sure so would what would your advice be you know if they're feeling that way like how to keep the faith when they haven't yet had their aha moment of I'm on the right path I wonder if sometimes if people just aren't really paying attention like looking Ooh, for those signs good. and yeah. listening to the people that are around them and, um, you know, you're not always going to get that pat on the back or somebody saying you're doing a good job, but really start to pay attention to the things you're doing and the impact you're having. You know, don't just just wait for that somebody to walk up to you and say, you are doing an awesome job. This is your this is totally where you're meant to be. You know, just, right. just start to look around. You'll, right. you'll probably see it. And if not, then maybe it's time for another change, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about product because in addition to your business, you have products now. I do. What's it like to start your own skincare line? Like what does that process look like in terms of, you know, everything from actually having the products created to marketing and promoting and selling them to the values and ethics of what goes into the products themselves? What does this all look like? So that also happened very organically too. I, I think for me, timing has always been everything, but um, I was put in touch with a woman who I collaborate with to make these products. She is really like the genius behind the ingredients and knowing how it all works well together. And she just happened to be moving back east from the West Coast. And she and I met and we totally were like, this is going to happen. She had been creating product for herself and for other people for many, many years. And um, a big thing for me, and it was when I first went out on my own, and created my own space. So uh, backtrack four years ago, I started to rent a space instead of working for someone. And so now it's basically a business within a business. So it's a, it's a booth rental, you know, to make it simple for people to understand. Um, so I rent my room and had to outfit the whole thing. But it took me the longest, the amount of time that I spent researching products to bring in was the hardest because A, it was just me most large um, product companies cater towards larger spas. So they have minimum orders, they have minimum monthly orders, they have numbers you have to meet, and I couldn't meet those as a single you know, business owner. So um, it took me probably close to a year to find what I wanted to use in my product line. And then I felt like there were uh, gaps I had in my retail so I started to look around at other lines and then I was put in touch with this woman. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. So she and I have collaborated um, to make this. And like I said, some of the uh, recipes, for lack of a better way to describe it, were already put together for her. And then some of them we tweaked because I was like, all right, I kind of want this scent. I think 
um, you know, paying attention to what I know my clients like and what they um, sort of anticipating their needs and creating an experience. So the big thing with the labels, because that was another thing was, um, you know, first it started with, okay, what kind of products do I want to start with? The first product I started with was Gratitude. That was the first one that I was drawn to. And she had already had a, um, an oil blend together, but I really wanted it to have sort of like that spa smell to it and has lemongrass to it. But um, the big thing was coming up with names for the products. And I started to go back and forth with a good girlfriend of mine. And I was like, you know, gracious, gratitude. And I was like, gratitude, that is a perfect name for this. I am so incredibly grateful to be where I am now, you know, 14 years later, having clients that I have been working on for 14 years that have followed me and drive way further than they should for just a brow wax. And, you know, that, and I'm, at, I'm lucky enough to be at a place where we can create this, this wonderful brand. Um, so the biggest thing was that I wanted to make sure that the title of the product was stood out more than the actual brand label. So Rachel Ferraro Aesthetics is the name of the products, but each product has its own name that sort of like describes what it does, but it also creates an experience. So there's Radiant, Awaken, Nourish, Joy, um, Gratitude, things like that. So they're all things that sh should put your mind in a place where it needs to be for the product while you're using it, but it's also doing fabulous things for your skin at the same time. So um, I would say the woman that I collaborate with, which I, I think I can say, her name is Lauren, and she, her, the company she runs is called Fruit, Fruits to the Roots, and um, she's amazing. She helped me with coming up with my logo. She helped with uh, coming up the de with the design of my labels, and um, yeah, that's how it's all. But it's been a process, for sure. It's been a really fun process, but the first time she sent me the, um, the font, she sent me like a thousand fonts to choose from, and I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm just going to sit here for the next five hours and sort through these fonts. I mean, that part I didn't even think of. Yep. And how things are placed on the label, all these things that I didn't even know went into it. So it took probably a good six months before we were out of place to launch a handful of the products. And it's kind of just grown from there. And honestly, it's been mainly word of mouth. Um, I do some advertising on Instagram. I have my own website for it. But it's just been people saying, oh, well, I love this. And my friend wants it. And send it to this one in, you know, Florida. And, you know, it's just kind of gone from there. So I have so much that I want to piggyback on that you just okay. said. First of all, for those of you who are listening who are not local and you do not have the opportunity to have your eyebrows waxed by Rachel, <laughs> how she said that she has people who come from kind of far to go get their brows done by her. So I now live closer to um, where Rachel does her waxing and facials and all of the things. But I used to live like almost an hour away and I was driving to her because she is magical. So she's, she is not exaggerating there. Um, another thing, I don't know that I've ever told you this or given you this compliment, just because every time I see you, we're always catching yeah. up on life yes. and you know all of the things. But something that you do really well, and I don't even know that... I don't even know that you know the power of this. Um, your branding is so authentically you. Like as someone who knows you as a person, the names of all of your products and even just like the general, um, you know, feeling you get when you glance at your logo, like feels like you. It's very like calming and um, just like genuine. And that's really kind of where the magic happens. Like if you have, whether it's a business or even just a creative project and you're able to get your branding to align with not only who you are like as a businesswoman, but just as a human being, I feel like that really sends a message to your consumers that, you know, it's all, you understand that it's all connecting. It's all important. 
um, to give them that experience. Mm -hmm. And on the, my last little blurb before I ask you my next question, another note on the experience, I love, once you said that, I love when you're giving me a facial and you use that berry mask that I think smells like chocolate. <laughs> I'm always like, ah, the chocolate mask. You're like, for the fifth time. There's no chocolate. It's berries. <laughs> I've had people tell me it smells like Flintstone vitamins. I mean, I feel Great. like it's now one I'm of those. Now I'm going to think that next time. Um, but no, and that's like, you really do create an experience. Well, and that's, that's wonderful to hear. That you is. know, to hear that that's something that you're trying to do on a conscious level, like, you're doing it because All right. I, I am a witness to that. Well, that means a lot coming from you because it, you know what I was thinking is the first day that I met you when you came to me, I will never forget this. Me neither. You were like all done up because you had come from your, your job that you had the time. Yes. And I remember yeah. meeting you and being like, wow, this girl's got it together. I feel like a total <laughs> no. schlub next to her, you know? <laughs> You're like tall in the heels with the blonde hair. And then I've seen you evolve through all of this process and it's been incredible to you know, watch. It's really funny that this whole podcast, like pretty much my starting point of where I start with the story is right when I graduated college for the most part. Like mm -hmm. obviously I talk about other things in my life, but for the most part that's a storyline. That's also when I met you. Right. So you're right. That. Like yeah. you you have literally been a part of all of this. Like the highs, the lows, yep. the in-betweens, the boys, the career yes. change, like all the things. <laughs> like you know it all. So well, it's been a privilege. That's for sure. Thank you. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit more about not only your products, but just your brand at large and how the ethics and the values that you have, not only as a person, um, but as a businesswoman for Rachel Ferraro Aesthetics kind of um, go together. So talk to me a little bit about why you chose, um, you know, to have cruelty-free products, to have all of these different things that you have going on mm -hmm. in your business and in your products. And on top of that, do you think that that's a trend that, you, that the beauty industry is going into at large right now? Like, let's talk about some of that. Sure, absolutely. So I would say that um, the first couple of years I worked as an esthetician, I'd worked with a number of different lines. And then I was uh, changed places where I was working and we started to use an organic line, which I had not had ever had the opportunity to have my hands on. And I went to a lot of trainings. That company did uh, a ton of, and I think I can say it's Eminence Organics. They were awesome. They did a ton of awesome, awesome trainings. Education was huge for them. And it was actually the person that founded the company that did the trainings, which I thought was amazing because it had already blown up at that point. It was huge. And one of the things that has always stuck with me, he's Hungarian, has super thick accent, and he was hilarious for his trainings, but he had always said that, um, you know, using ingredients that are natural, that are part of the earth, your body recognizes them and processes them as they should because it is part of what's innately in us and grows around us. So if you are using synthetic, synthetically made products, which not to say they don't have a place in life and in products and other things, you tend to um, process them in waste and you lose a lot of the benefit of that. So that has always stuck out with me. And so moving forward from there, especially when I have the opportunity to open up my own space and pick my own line, I really wanted to stick with something like that. So using ingredients that I can pronounce and I understand what they are and I know where they came from and I know what they looked like, that to me just makes sense to me. And I know there are people out there that don't think that they are effective, but they are. I mean, I've seen it. Sometimes it's a little slower, but it makes sense to me that it should be slower. Something when you've 
had 20 years of sun damage, you're not gonna see it reversed in one bottle in three months. It's just not gonna happen. You have to be patient. You have to understand that change to repair something like that is gonna take a lot longer. Um, and I, I think people are looking for quick fixes often, so that's why they turn to other things, but that was really my main focus for creating my own line, was making sure that it was clean, where it was organic when possible, locally sourced when possible. Um, the line that I have is, is handcrafted and small batch made, so it can vary in color and you know things like that. But again, in nature, that's what happens too, so that's not, you know, it doesn't seem strange to me at all. And then, um, I mean, I definitely am a huge animal lover, so for sure, cruelty-free. And I think vegan and gluten-free are really um, a very big push, a, a big trend right now, just in the past, like I've noticed in the past maybe five to seven years. Yeah, I mean, I can even tell you, you know, working at Sephora, sometimes if a brand doesn't have those labels, they'll put out a new line it. that is, yeah. and, you know, and it'll be a big a big thing um, or you know we're always taking on new brands at Sephora that do fit that criteria so it's definitely everywhere right right yeah so and that's the thing is I mean if you're seeing it in Sephora then it's definitely a trend you know it's there's definitely a push for it so you know that was something that I really wanted to honor as well for my clients that it was vegan um, gluten-free when possible too because I do have I mean we live in a world where you hear people all the time saying they're gluten intolerant or they're gluten sensitive and they don't think about what they're putting on their body as being something that could affect that too. So that was something that was really important to me too. Right. Yeah. So running your business, let's talk a little bit about how you got involved in this particular space, mm -hmm. um, how long you've been there. And what's interesting to me about it is that it's in a small town, but your book is so busy. So I would love for you to kind of give some words of advice um, to anybody who is maybe listening and is running a business but lives in a small town and they need a busy book too. Sure. Like how did that come to fruition for you? Well, I would say that the, the busy book came with the fact that I, when I left, I was working at a wellness center and when I decided to open up my own space, I worked at both places before I made the transition. So I was working like one day at my space, three days at theirs, and then sort of slowly transitioned out. The place that I was at was super um, supportive of me because where I work now was 35 minutes away from there. And that was the hardest thing. So for 10 years, I had worked within like a five mile radius. So all of my clients were right there. The fact that I was gonna be moving 30 minutes away was really scary for me because I had worked so hard to build that clientele. Everybody just kept saying, go Rachel, they're gonna come, it's fine. You know, it's that if you build it, they will come. And they did, they totally did. So um, that's where probably 50% of my book was was just clients of mine that I'd had for 10 years. And then the fact that I work, that the space is in a fairly busy salon, um, again, everybody runs their own business. We all are in the same boat, so we're super supportive of each other. Um, a lot of my coworkers would send me people. And then again, just word of mouth. There really has not been a lot of advertising, aside from my social media presence, which is, uh, you know, I'm still working on it. Um, but it's really just been word of mouth. Everybody, it's like you. I mean, how many people? For like a solid <laughs> few months, it was like every week. So, oh, Anna Larimore, Anna Larimore, Anna Larimore. And people you didn't even know that, you know, they saw your posts on social media and they would say that, you know, that's what brought them in. Facebook was a big thing. Um, the, the local uh, business page where people would put out, oh, I'm looking to find a good place to get a spray tan, a good place to get a brow wax. I have a ton of people that come in for that. So, I mean, I would say in a small town, you just need to make sure that, you just still do good work because if you do good work, people are going to talk about it. 
So that's that's really what it boiled down to. Because like I said, I haven't really done a lot of advertising, but people also come from a pretty large radius. I mean, they come from like a good 15 to 20 minutes outside of the small town, I outside would of the people. 15 to 20 hours. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If I ever moved one day, I would get on a plane just for you to wax my eyebrows. I am well, not joking. That makes me feel so good. Um, but I think too. Like for anybody who's listening that, you know, you have somebody that you really love in your life, whether that's a hairstylist or an esthetician or anybody at all, I think, you know, one thing that you can really do to help them out and share your love is check in on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go to get your facial, check in on Facebook and give them a little compliment. Um, Not only are you giving them that compliment publicly, by checking in on Facebook, you're giving people an opportunity to see where they are on a map, which takes away one less step that Mm -hmm. they have to go find out where that person is located. So you might think that that's just like a mindless thing. It's not. It's actually very strategic. It definitely is. Um, Another thing you can do is on Instagram stories, if you love your eyebrows and you want to do a little thing about your eyebrows, just tag them in the bottom. Again, takes away that step of them having to be like, who does your eyebrows? Where do you go? All they have to do is click on it, and then they see all the information about that person right there on the profile. So Mm -hmm. I think fostering community is huge. And then just as the consumer, you know, if you love somebody, tell the world. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Uh, Absolutely. It is huge. I mean, word of mouth is how this business is built. It really, it truly is. I mean, I know they've done studies as far as the beauty industry, salons and spas and things like that. And of course, advertising does play a role in it. But really the biggest, the the hardest hitter is is word of mouth for sure. Yeah. I think Um, it's super situational too. mm -hmm. Like I have... um, We do have clients at The Sun who are salons and spas, but a lot of them are, uh, they're new or they're in um, really metropolitan areas or um, they're doing sponsorships and collaborations with other businesses where, you know, there's events and things like that. I think anytime, you know, you're putting together something for advertising, marketing, anything, there's so many factors and you just have to decide what's best for your business Mm -hmm. and maybe some demographics that you're not tapping into yet that you'd like to, and you have to decide what kind of plan is the best path to get there. Absolutely, and you're totally right. I mean, I know that that's part of your industry too. And if you're in a city and you're competing with a few hundred other salons and spas, you have to set yourself apart. And, you know, yeah. putting yourself in a newspaper or magazine or something like that is going to do that for you, sure. But, you know, where I am, there there might be 10 other, you know, that we compete with. And right. there are still people that walk in the door that are like, we had no idea you were here. And the salon itself has been there for, I think, eight years. The That's expansion right. happened four years ago when I joined in. But, yeah, so it's been there for long enough that people should know that it's there. But they still don't. So. Right. Perhaps we should do a little advertising. (laughs) So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about something that we talked about, I think it was last week. By the way, did you notice I still have my spray tan right now? I did, actually. I'm so impressed. You, I swear, you (laughs) hang on to it longer than anyone I know. (laughs) Rachel's spray tans are magic solutions. You said fairy Um, dust they have on them? They're fairy fairy dust. I don't know what the ingredient, I know she does like vegan, natural, whatever, but I think that there's also some magic included because I still have a beautiful How many spray days are we now? Seven. Eight. It is seven days. Yeah. Eight. Okay. Yeah. No, you solidly still have it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's Amazing. Awesome. Nothing blotchy, still dark. Perfect. <laughs> um, but when I was with Rachel last week and we were doing what we always do while she's, you know, giving me my spray tan and I have my, my shower cap on and we're talking about life loudly over the machine. Um, we talked about something called imposter syndrome. So I don't have the definition in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that I can just recount it from my memory. I can't remember what prompted this, but Rachel was, I think we were kind of talking about some compliments that we'd gotten or uh, just like praise in general. And we were talking about how sometimes it's really hard to um, 
accept those, not only is it hard to accept them and like maybe makes you uncomfortable a little bit, it's hard to believe them. Um, and it's, it's hard to believe them, I think, because sometimes we feel unworthy of them, even if we know like deep in our hearts that we are doing good work or we are doing our best. Um, it's totally uncomfortable. And for me personally, I've like really gotten a huge taste of imposter syndrome since launching this podcast. I literally yesterday morning, uh, when I hit 10,000 downloads, this is so cheesy, but I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to tell you guys what I did. Um, so I've been doing this thing for about let's say 10 weeks now where I take a walk every morning. It's since turned into a jog. So I'm like proud of that. It's been a long time since I've like been a runner. Oh, you girl. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I also, even though I listen to a podcast every morning, I'm like a big believer in the first song you listen to every day sets the tone of the day. So I have like a whole girl power playlist. More to come on that, by the way, for those of you who are listening, I have something exciting for you in weeks to come. Um, but the song I listened to yesterday morning on my run was Miracles Happen from the Princess Diaries. Do you guys remember that? I was like, yes, Myra, Miracles Happen, right? And, you know, we get the, um, we get the news that I hit 10,000 downloads and I put on my tennis shoes and I go outside and I just go for a run and it's like beautiful outside and I'm listening to Miracles Happen and I'm like crying because I'm like, wow, like people are emailing me telling me that like, they're, they have the guts now to like leave their abusive relationships or they're like, I'm going to move to Chicago and I'm going to follow my dream. Or they're like, I'm going to start a blog or I want to lose weight or whatever. And I'm like, because of this? You had your of moment. Me? You totally had your moment where you're doing, you are obviously doing what you're supposed to be and doing. And as like flattering <laughs> as it was, I was also like, okay, like my little like project really, like that's, you know, making this impact on you. Like, yeah, right. And I think that's because it was so... some of the response has been like so overwhelming that I, you know, that insecurity comes back of like, am I really that, you know, like worthy? Um, So I would love for you to talk a little bit about your imposter syndrome when we were having this conversation, because as it pertains to your career and, you know, you running your business, I think you had some really interesting points. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I remember it. So if it's okay to touch on this, because I know we were going to talk about it, yeah. the reason why it came up was because you had asked me when in my life I thought that I either had had enough or was enough, or you know was enough for what it was. And so what I was thinking, I could not come up with a particular story because I feel like I'm pretty good at setting boundaries, telling people when things are wrong. You know, like I'm usually like a you know I'm a rule follower. You know, if you're going to do it right or you don't do it. And um, but I started to think about the fact that when you asked me to do this podcast. I had been listening to everybody and, um, you know, here's uh, the life coach and somebody who wrote a book and started a lip gloss line that's selling it across the country. I'm like, why does she want me to be on her podcast? So that was my moment. I was all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't think I'm enough. I don't think I'm worthy to be on this podcast. I totally don't. And I'm like, why, why, why would you want me on here? And that's, that's when I started to realize I don't always, it was the same with when I started my product line too. When people started to, I had clients that came in. I didn't really tell many people that I was starting the line. I didn't tell my clients until I knew for sure that it was happening and it was on the shelves. And they were like, oh my gosh, give it to me. Get, what do you think I need? I'll take it. I'll buy, I'll buy three. I'll buy five. I'll send it to whoever. And I didn't, I was so shocked that people were so supportive and so excited about it because I didn't think like, well, why would they think they would want to, I would, you know, be worthy of selling a line and that they would want to get it from me. So I, I definitely have had many of those moments throughout my career, especially now with starting my own brand and starting my product line where I didn't feel like 
I was whatever it is, smart enough, uh, knowledgeable enough in the field, but of course I am. I've been doing this for 14 years. I should, by, at this point, know what works and what doesn't work, what's gonna sell, what's gonna be good for my clients, that kind of thing. So yeah, for sure I've had those moments. And yeah. I and it was you that pointed that out, that it was that the um, imposter s syndrome, which I had never even heard of right. before, but it's definitely me, for sure. I heard about it, I'm pretty sure I first heard about it on another podcast that I listened to called uh, Scrubbing In with Becca Tilly and Tanya Rad. I've mentioned that podcast a couple times on this podcast, but Tanya Rad, if you don't know, she is also the co-host on the Ryan Seacrest Show, 1027 KISS FM, and um, she reminds me a lot of you, Rachel, and I'm looking forward to diving into that later in this episode <laughs> as to why, um, but she is someone who, you know, is constantly like, how did I land this amazing job? Like, you know, I'm so young, and I there are people who are older than me and have more experience, and, um, you know, maybe a a different presentation and how how am I getting this response and I think too well, I'm still working on this obviously so if you're listening and you have tips as to how to you know tackle this syndrome please send them in but I feel like if you can really focus on the part of it that's bigger than you that helps like for example I just launched um, a podcast group it's called the enough podcast Facebook group that's all it's called Please join if you're listening and you have a Facebook. Um, but, you know, I woke up this morning and I saw all these people talking to each other. And they're just like, hey, um, you know, this is my name. This is how old I am. This is where I work. I'm looking for a new job. And these people are like, hey, I'm looking for some new podcasts to listen to. Or I liked this episode because of this. And they're just chit-chatting. And I'm like, I did that. But it's not even about me. It's about the content in this podcast that has so many things to do with like more than just me. It has to do with like my producers who are like actually putting it together. It has to do with my guests who are bringing me that awesome content. And, you know, I think if you're trying to like really tackle that imposter syndrome, you got to realize like it's bigger than you mm -hmm. and the praise is deserved. Right. No, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, looking at the big picture, realizing maybe not focusing so much on yourself, like I don't deserve this. I'm not good enough. Why are people? And it's more just looking at what you're doing, looking at what the platform you created for these people. And me realizing that, you know, yesterday I had someone come in that had a horrible year at teaching and she came in and was like, I have, a, I set this facial schedule on your schedule two months ago. And it has been in my mind every day. It's what has driven me to get through the end of the school year. So it's things like that where I'm like, wow, this is pretty powerful stuff. Like I have been, you know, there's something that has been the light at the end of her tunnel when she's had a horrible, yeah. you know, year in her, in her teaching career. So it's, it is bigger. It's bigger than you for sure. And just know that, that you're doing good. And that's all that really matters. Right. So, so on that same note of insecurities, um, there's something I wanted to share. So Similarly to how I mentioned that I started working in skincare because of an insecurity, additionally, I think I initially became passionate about advocating for staying out of the sun because I wanted to uh, stay out of the sun anyway. So another insecurity is just my body. When I gained weight in college and then even more weight after college, I didn't want to be seen in a bathing suit anymore uh, and I didn't want to be seen in shorts anymore. So I stayed out of the sun. And when I was in the sun, I was covered up because I didn't want anyone to see me. And I think I masked that insecurity by claiming that I was just trying to be healthier about the sun. And I started to like believe my own lie. Like now I've learned so much about sun care and I, now I really do stand by that. But at first it was kind of just a way to mask my insecurity about my body image issues. And, you know, my brother said to me recently, he said, wow, I didn't realize you were so much fairer than the rest of us referring to like himself and our parents and siblings and stuff. 
and I got a little defensive and I remembered why I was defensive. I'm defensive because I don't just preach sun care, you know, safe sunscreen and, you know, not baking in the sun for health reasons. I preach it because I'm trying to overcompensate for an insecurity. And a second insecurity that I have that ties into sun care is not only am I always covered up, I never have time to be outside. And that's because I work seven days a week. I'm a complete workaholic. And I think part of that stems from an insecurity of feeling like I didn't want to be alone with my thoughts when I was depressed. And I didn't want to sit around anymore and not be included in things and be left out with friends. So I said, okay, I'll just work every single day. You know, it'll take my mind off of problems and it'll give me a reason why I'm not spending time with my friends instead of the reason of just not being included. So if I'm always working inside, when the heck am I going to get a tan, right? I'm not. And I'm sharing all this vulnerable stuff, which is hard, by the way, because we together have had a lot of conversations about how important the beauty industry is when a lot of people might just consider it something superficial and trivial and how really it's so much more than that. You know, it has to do with people's confidence and empowers them to face the world and do the things that they want to do because they feel beautiful. So I would love for you to speak more on that and kind of give our listeners some insight into what it's like to be on your side of the beauty industry, the one who is making people feel beautiful. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, it to me, it's it's really um, disheartening sometimes and a little sad to to see so many people, not just women, come in and really feel horrible about themselves. It's like the first thing that they lay into, well, this is wrong and this is wrong and I can't stand this and can you fix this? And it is more, I I really try to drive home about kind of like retraining people's brains to understand that 50% of why your skin is the way you are or your body is the way it is, is because of your genetics. It's, there's no control over it. You know, you have to, that is part of something you just have to embrace. The other part is what you're gonna do with it. Are you going to bake in the sun? Are you going to eat horribly? Are you going to not exercise? You know, so all of those things are not going to help the situation. So those are things that you have under your control and obviously your regimen too. But um, it's really about, again, just like focusing on the things you do have control over, the things you can um, change, for lack of a better word, um, work with, enhance, those kind of things. But it's, it is less about just staring in the mirror and picking yourself apart because it, there is nothing worse than... I do. I find that I have to really like build people's self-esteem back up when they come in because there's a lot of times that they come in and they're at their wits end. And I understand because, you know, your face is the first thing that, that people see and they judge. And if you've dealt with acne your whole life and it's been really frustrating, well, maybe you haven't gone down the right avenues. Maybe you haven't thought about like your diet. What are There's major triggers that cause inflammatory responses in the body, which in turn are going to cause acne. So, you know, maybe just t- ha- teaching them to have a different perspective as to how to look at themselves, how to treat what's going on, and to understand that it's okay. People are still going to love you. That is not what's most important. And having two daughters, it's what I tell them all the time. You know, it's not, don't focus on what's on the outside. It is so more important to be beautiful on the inside. That's, and honestly, that's what I'm trying to work with my clients every day with. And a lot of them, they are, they are at their bottom, whether it's because of something in their life and then in turn has you know developed in their skin whether you know they have all sorts of issues going on but really it's usually stress and life issues that are going on so it can be tough sometimes it really can there are days where i come home and i'm emotionally exhausted because you've taken on all of that and that's really important in this industry whether you're a massage therapist acupuncturist reiki whatever it is you soak in people's energy i mean you take it in and there are days where i come home and i'm physically and emotionally exhausted i have like nothing left for anyone it's it's also part of the job too, you know, it just, that's, you have to be mindful of that 
and to take the time to yourself to make sure that you can sort of like recharge your battery and be there for your clients in that way. Hopefully you feel like that answered your question. Yeah, it does. I can't remember. I think, um, didn't you get like a little coloring thing recently and it said like, mommy, I'm something about like beautiful is kind or something. Oh, yes. From, from my daughter? Yes. yes. I can't yes. remember what it said. I can't remember what it said either. But yes, or be beautiful or be, yeah, something with you're like a little. You're beautiful because you're kind or yes. something. I don't know what it said, yes. but I was like, that's some good parenting right there. Yes. I mean, it's tough in a world that, in the world that we live in. It's really, I, I really just try to drive home to my girls. And it's the same message that I, I bring to my clients too, that we have to just embrace what is wonderful about us and be kind to ourselves and just, you know, do the best that we can to yeah. take care of ourselves because that's what's most important. It's easier said than done. But it I is, think if you have sure. like. I think if you have a good team of people in your corner that can lift you up, it definitely helps. Mm -hmm, for sure. So we are going to transition into the part that you've all been waiting for. I got so many listener questions for Rachel. I showed her them the other day. I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and the questions weren't stopping. <laughs> Everybody loves to follow Rachel and ask skincare <laughs> questions. We obviously can't answer them all, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give a couple of them to Rachel Rapid Fire. She does already know what they are, so um, we will definitely have a good prepared answer for you. But if we don't pick your question to answer on the episode, I will personally make sure you get an answer, whether it's from me or from Rachel. We are happy to answer your questions and help you feel more confident about your skin. So you ready? Let's, mm -hmm. let's do some questions. Um, the first, what does a serum do and is it necessary? Serums are... Uh so they're a smaller molecule. So you think about what you get in your moisturizer. A cream is kind of like a thicker, larger molecule, but sort of seals everything in. A serum can go a little deeper into the skin. So there are a wide variety of ones and what they do for the skin. They all treat different things. They are something that I always tell people, if you're feeling like your regimen is kind of boring, you just want to like take it up another notch, add a serum. It will make all the difference. Instead of trying to revamp your entire regimen, just add in a good serum, whether it's vitamin C, vitamin A, an alpha hydroxy, something like that. But it makes a huge difference. It really does. I'm addicted to serum. <laughs> I use way too many. I probably have like 20 serums. It's like so bad, which is a, another problem in and of itself. You can't like use too many things. But Well, you can. You can use too many things. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's yes. what I mean. That's what I mean. Um, okay, so... Here's another one. I don't know why, but this was a really popular question. Um, best way to remove blackheads? Hmm. I would say prepare your skin first. That's the big thing. So take a shower, steam your face in some way because that really softens and loosens everything up. If you try to go to I town, steam. I know it makes such a big difference. If you got, if you try to go to town on a blackhead when your face is dry and tight, you are more likely to bruise and cause issues. Do not, do not, under any circumstance, use your fingers. Your nails have dirt, bacteria. You will scratch your skin. Best way is Q-tips. I tell people all the time. Two Q-tips, they're cushioned, they're sterile. If you push too hard, they're going to break. But the same way you would use your fingers, just put the Q-tips there and squeeze. I use them in treatment. So, But the biggest thing is prepare your skin. So wash your skin first. Take a shower if you can. I don't know, some way to steam your face. And then go ahead and use two Q-tips. Love it. Um... This one was kind of simple, but super important. How often should I use a face mask? I say once or twice a week. And again, that sort of just boosts your regimen. It's another way to take it to another level. Um, if you want to do a little mini facial for yourself, go ahead and cleanse, exfoliate, use your mask, and then put your moisturizer on. That's a great way to do a mini facial for yourself at home. Love it. 
and essentials in a skincare routine. So the most simple of steps. Mm -hmm. What do you recommend? I would say if you're going to break it down to like basic, basic, cleanser, serum, moisturizer, sunscreen in there if it's morning time, and an eye cream. Those are the essentials. Yep. For sure. I agree. And that's starting in your late teens, early 20s. Oh, yeah. That would be your best bet. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have so many people that come into Sephora, all different ages, obviously, who are like, I don't need an eye cream. And I'm like, yes, you, you do. do. You totally do. Girl, the eyes... get on that eye cream chain. Yes. <laughs> I'm like. People ask that often. They're like, oh, but I just put my moisturizer there. I can just do that. But you're, the skin around your eye is a totally different animal, and it should be treated a different way. And eye creams are specific for that. And I mean, of course, you know, exfoliants and masks and toners, they all play a role. But for somebody that's like, I'm not going to do it. I just want it simple. That's what you should use at home. And it's going to make it's you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. Here, we'll do one more. And that is why am I breaking out even if I went on Accutane? I would say most of the time it has to do with either diet or hormones, which the two of them are, you know, they they bounce off of each other. So if you've been on Accutane and you still are not seeing results, that's where you need to start to look. Maybe go to you know, a, a naturopath or talk to a dietitian or something like that and really start to figure out, like, is there something you're having on a regular basis that you don't know that's a trigger? I mean, dairy and sugar are two of the biggest ones and people don't realize how much of an impact. They're like, oh, I just have a little. Well, a little to your body, your body doesn't care. It's gonna still process it the same way. It's gonna cause the same response. So um, yeah, I would say that that would be your next step. And of course, taking a look at what you're using, your product line. I mean, you people tend to go crazy with acne. They want to dry their whole face out. And they, they want a quick fix. Yes. Yeah. And, and most of the time when you're using very drying products on your skin, if you're acne prone, you're actually slowing the healing process down. You're causing your skin to be more inflamed, which also doesn't allow it to heal. So a lot of times you're doing things that are causing more harm than good. Um, so just really paying attention to what you're doing and how often. Maybe you don't need to wash, moisturize, and spot treat everything with salicylic acid and benzoyl peroxide. Like maybe use a gentle cleanser and just spot treat those areas. You know, don't dry out the daylights out of your skin because right. that's what most people do. So a lot of questions were related to affordable products uh, and just products in general. So some people were asking things like, what is my one-stop shop? Um, you know, if I don't know a lot about this or what have you. Mm -hmm. And the answer is honestly Rachel Ferraro Aesthetics. So of if course. you're local in Maryland, you can just come pick it up and you can shop in person, which is great because you can, you know, you can meet Rachel and, you know, she'd love to teach you about her products in person and maybe you can even get a service done. But if you're not local, you can totally just order online. Um, my favorite products from the line, honestly love them all, but my favorite two products from the line are the Refine Mask and the Joy Beauty Balm. So when I say the Refine Mask is the best mask I've ever used, I'm actually not kidding. And you know I've used a lot of masks because I work at Sephora. So this is the best mask I have ever used. Um, it'll deeply purify your skin without drying it out. So it's like a deep cleanse, but your skin won't feel dry or tight after you use it. And I have dry skin, so that kind of says a lot. Um, masks kind of tend to do that to me sometimes if they're purifying masks. Sometimes after I use them, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so dry. This one will not do that. Um, and then the Joy Beauty Balm, I feel, I was just telling Rachel, I feel like this product is my equivalent of like the guy in my big fat Greek wedding who uses Windex for everything. <laughs> That's me with this Joy Beauty Balm. I carry it around. I have like a couple of them and I'm like, oh, just put some of this on it. Like that's how I feel about this product, but it can be used on your lips. If you, when you see it, you'll see that it looks 
like a lip balm, like the shape. Um, but you can really do so many other things with it. My favorite thing to use it for is the skin between my nose and upper lip when I have a cold. Now, that I know this sounds really unsanitary, so just use a Q-tip. Don't take the stick straight to your germy face. But I swear it saves my face. Like, it's a miracle stick. Um, it's, like, so amazing to me how when I have a cold, I think I've only had a cold twice since getting um, since I've gotten joy, but people like don't know. Like sometimes when you show up and you and you're sick, you look sick. Mm -hmm. This product makes me not look sick, which I love. I appreciate no redness, nothing chappy, nothing tight. It's a miracle. Um, and then I also love Clear, which is a spot treatment. We've gotten a lot of um, you know questions about acne and things like that. Actually, my cousin Laura, who you heard on the last episode, she literally drove from Virginia to get this product from Rachel. <laughs> which was so cute. She sure did. So that, that has been a very, very, very big seller. Yes. And I mean, it has the activated charcoal in there. It has willow bark, um, which is uh, from salicylic acid or has salicylic acid in it. But it's it's one of those ones where it's not going to dry you out. That's the big thing with spot treatments is a lot of times they'll over dry you. So. Right. And then I love gratitude mm -hmm. as well. I have a ton of different oils. I love oils. I do have dry skin, like I mentioned. So I especially love oils. Um, but with gratitude oil, this is my favorite oil to use with my jade roller. Um, another cool thing about it is that it's multi-purpose. You can use it on all different types of things. You can put it in your hair. Mm -hmm. um, it's. I feel like all of these products are just like really practical because they fit into anywhere in your routine. They're good for all skin types, um, and they have multi-purpose uses. So. And that, I'm so glad you touched on that because that was a big thing with me is I yeah. wanted people to be able to, exactly, right. Like you could take gratitude with you on vacation and you then have a hair serum, you have a face oil, you have body lotion, you know, body oil, mm -hmm. you can use it for your cuticles. So there are things and like the, even the refined mask, if you're in a pinch, you could use that as a cleanser slash mask, you know, so everything sort of does play uh, an, an extra, it has an extra purpose to it. So if you don't need to bring 10 products with you on vacation, you just have a few and you'll cover your, you know, cover all your bases, which is oh super. Helpful. If you guys could see me when I travel, <laughs> I'm not kidding. When I say you have like to check your bag, I'm guessing, will, like, right? Take a ton of clothes and a ton of shoes. I'm actually not that girl, believe it or not. I know your I might products. seem high maintenance in that way. I'm always the girl that's like, "Hey, Abby, can I borrow a dress?" Like, <laughs> I never pack enough clothes. I just I don't really care about that stuff, and I'm always kind of in leggings and t-shirt. Like I just don't care. Uh -huh. But I have to check a separate bag for beauty products. I I, I worship that. It's, <laughs> <laughs> my mom's always like oh good you're like that you're just done I'm like nope that's just for serum <laughs> that's a suitcase full of serum that's right there. hilarious but no so the best news of the day is that our listeners here at the enough podcast get a 10% discount on all of these products and more she has a bunch of products in her line with code enough 10 so that's enough 10 at www.rachelferraroaesthetics.com I'm going to be linking that in the show notes. So all you have to do is go back to the show notes and click on it. You'll be redirected to Rachel's website and you can just enter in that code and shop around. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. So we're going to shift gears and talk about some other things in this episode. But before we do that, have you guys heard of Rave Suits? I haven't. So Rave Suits is a swimwear company based out of Chicago. They make their products right here in the USA. They're one-piece bathing suits that say really fun things on them. So I actually bought one last year that said out of office, and I wore it in Croatia. I have another one that I bought, I guess I got it for my 23rd birthday, and it said birthday suit. I thought that was funny. Um, but I love them so much. They have such a comfortable fit, 
And the company was founded to help women who are missing out on things in the summertime feel more comfortable and confident in getting out there in a swimsuit. This is something I obviously talk about frequently on the podcast and on Instagram. So it's something that I've experienced a lot, and I know a lot of other women have too. Rave Suits has made it their mission to change that. So they make suits in all shapes and sizes to celebrate all different bodies. They use their customer photos as marketing content, and they don't retouch any of their photos. So the suits are super flattering, especially the new ones that they just came out with. They come in all different colors and so many sayings. I just got one that says Barbie, and I'm about to order one that says, oh, grr. They're great for bachelorette parties or birthday parties if you're looking to get matching suits for anything um, of that nature. And our listeners get a 15% discount on all orders with the code ENOUGH. So check them out at www.ravesuits.com. They're also linked in the show notes of this podcast and in the link of the bio of my personal Instagram, which is Anna Mish. And you can get your own rave suit with that code ENOUGH at ravesuits.com. So let's segue into something that's been all over the internet lately. I don't think this is new at all, but it's like blown up a lot recently. I'm seeing it on podcasts. I'm seeing it on social media. I'm seeing it everywhere. Let's talk about the Enneagram test. So Rachel and I were talking about it a little bit this morning. We were telling Jordan about it, and we don't know what Jordan's Enneagram is. TBD. <laughs> I'll work on it. We're, yeah, I'll she's going to work on it. We're going to find out. Yeah. Um, but... I, so I'm very new to this, so I'll tell you guys what my Enneagram number is, and I'll tell you what I know about it, but if you have more information, please email me, because I'm still learning. Um, I'm a four with three, so a three wing. So fours are the individualist, so some traits there, creative, emotional, moody, and sensitive. Um, our strongest desire is to create meaning and to be authentic. Uh, we have a strong desire to be different. And then the three wing... Um, which by the way, a wing is like, everybody gets a type. There are nine types and then a wing kind of means that you are also strongly this type, but not strong enough for that to be like your soul thing. So, um, my three wing signifies that I'm energetic uh, and that I'm focused on the projects that I love. Threes are achievers. So if you combine them, I'm a creative overachiever, which is pretty spot on. And I'm also extremely moody. Yeah, that's gotcha. Yeah, yeah that's, that's me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's me. Um, so here's what's funny, though, is that from my research, fours show traits of ones when they're aligned and twos when they're not. Now, twos, hold your horses. I am, you are a spectacular angel human beings who are kinder than anyone in Enneagram, I think. So don't take that the wrong way. I'll tell you what I mean by that. The one is the perfectionist. Very organized and very disciplined. And two is the helper. So very loving, sometimes a people pleaser, strong desire to give love, to create love, and to be loved. Uh, You know, obviously pros and cons and great things and challenges and all of these types. But it's interesting to hear how they come together and what each combination means and how the combinations differ from one another. Uh, I thought for sure I was going to be a seven. The seven is the enthusiast. Or I thought I would maybe have a seven wing because I'm, you know, bubbly and excited and jump all over the place. That's very me. So I was surprised I didn't have that. But I think that that three wing kind of gives me that. So we're good. But here's what's weird. Um, My cousin Ellie, my little cousin Ellie, she knew what I was before I knew what I was. I would have not put myself as a four until I learned more about it. Um, But she responded to an Instagram story where I said, you know, take a guess what my Enneagram is. And she was like, oh, you're a four. (laughs) I'm like, Huh? She didn't even know that word, and we didn't know what that word was. I don't know. (laughs) But she was like, You have some one and two in you. Those are Aquarius traits. And sure enough, she was exactly right. 
I'm like, what the heck? Wow. So sometimes I think people know us better than we know ourselves. You know, I only took it once and there's like a million variations of it, but you can just Google it. Um, there's books and podcasts on it too. I love this stuff. So Rachel, tell us your Enneagram. I bet you you could guess. What would I be in this industry? Yes, number two. Number two. <laughs> I helper. am the helper, yes. Yeah, and I mean, it was so funny when I took it because I think I remember taking some, something similarly to this when I was probably a senior in high school. Um, but yes, I am the helper. I totally give and I to the point of exhaustion for sure. I was just talking about at the end of the day, I come home and like I have nothing left for anyone because in my job and in life, I feel like I do that a lot. So um, I do think it can be to a fault sometimes because you're not taking care of yourself. You know, I'll go nine hours at work and be like, wait, did I did I pee yet? Have I eaten? Right. Have I done the fundamentals <laughs> of being a human being? You know, that's kind of important. So, but yeah, I mean, it totally fits with what I'm doing and it works well because I do feel like in this industry, within minutes, I have my hands on people. I am in their personal space. I am, my face is in their personal space. So you have to be comfortable with feeling like you're, you're giving to people in a way. And because you do, you have, you're, you are totally in their personal space and you're there to help. So here's what's funny to me too, is that you're a cancer. Mm -hmm. That's your sign. Tanya Rad, who I just talked oh. about, she is a cancer and she is also an Enneagram too. Well, okay. Disclaimer. She thinks that she's a two and or a seven hasn't taken the test yet I'm going to go ahead and say that she is definitely either a two or a two wing and she's a cancer and you remind me so much of each other oh that's so funny so it's kind of fascinating because I mean you can believe in it you cannot believe in it who cares doesn't matter but when Ellie my cousin said oh you're a four you know you have you know traits of a one that's that's the most Aquarius for you Rachel I would say yours is so cancer mm -hmm. it totally so fits it's kind, of it's kind of funny yes, how it falls into that right? yeah Jordan what's your um, astrological sign I'm a Scorpio you're a Scorpio uh, oh my yeah. god I recently dated a Scorpio <laughs> okay I hope that's a good thing <laughs> I hope that's a good thing uh yeah well I was I was she curious was in very the very intense yeah I was curious in the Enneagram I can be sometimes mm -hmm. so watch out um <laughs> Um, no, I'm so curious if, but if you find taking the questions and stuff, because it's a questionnaire, right? Is that how it works? Yeah. So, you know, when we were in school and you would have to, and I hope I took the right type of test. I don't even know. But you know how when we were in school and you would have to say like, strongly agree or agree, sort of like that. And it's also okay. like if you've ever taken a job where like they give you like four right answers and you just choose the one that most identifies with you, mm -hmm. it's kind of like that as well. Yeah, that's the setup. Cause, yeah, because it's always curious is like answering some of that stuff and then even if you did like, like we used to, I used, we used to do like the Harry Potter sorting stuff that you, they'll ask you a series of questions like do you prefer to be in the beach or in the forest or like up on a mountain kind of thing and it helps identify who you are. I, I, I always like am curious of like how truthfully honest are you answering these questions? Are you trying to steer mm -hmm. it towards one way or are you like I think, yeah, I, I wonder if like, if, if it gets skewed kind of sometimes too. And then I think part of that too maybe is like, I'm very much like a checklist girl. Like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll write something down on my to-do list I've already done just to cross it off because I'm a sociopath. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I'm It like, makes me feel more productive <laughs> if I write down, okay, go yeah, to the bathroom, right. done it. How many Good, times a day? <laughs> what I else email can I do? Jordan like 50 times a day, like all the things, right? <laughs> I'm just very much like organized in my, um, like, like, uh, to-do list life. Mm -hmm. So I wonder maybe when I take these tests, if I'm like, oh, I have to get, like, I have to complete it. Like I've already answered it like this, um, this way for these 
you know, questions, I might as well just continue that way. Like, I wonder if that's like a subconscious thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, do you steer yourself kind of to get somewhere where you think you want to be? Right, right. Um, back on you being a helper, Rachel, and how, you know, super empathetic, let's tie that into what it's been like for you to be a mom and to have this business and how maybe your Enneagram affects that. Sure. I, mean, I think I just mentioned this before that um, listening to your podcast that I was just listening to yesterday um, with Kelly Wynn, I totally can relate to the fact that you really have to carve out time or else you feel overwhelmed. You feel like you have nothing nothing left just for you anymore. So um, trying to find that balance of family life and work, um, making sure that you're carving out time to just be present with your children, to take the time for yourself. So it is a challenge and it's an everyday challenge and you go through different phases because you know your kids change so then your life changes and then they change again. So you sort of have to be okay with evolving, letting go of some control because that is a big thing. You cannot control them. <laughs> you can't control what happens. You realize you do have to let a lot of that go and know that some days are gonna be your best and some days are gonna not be your best. Some days you're going to have your kid in like a figure four leg lock, leg lock trying to put their shoe on to get out the door. <laughs> and other days it's going to be skipping, you know, out the door together. So, you know, you just, you just have, again, just be, be kind to yourself because some days are going to be great and some days aren't. Um, but I love it. I truly love it and I wouldn't change it. And it's a big reason why I feel very fortunate to be in the career that I am and in the place that I am. The fact that I can call my own shots. I run my own schedule. I can block out. I don't have to ask, you know, permission for anything. So I don't, I try to be there for all the things. I try not to miss as much as I can as far as my kids go. So yeah, for that's sure. How. Okay, Rachel. So I have a question. Sure. Do you find like, I know you have a lot of clients that have been around for a long time and they've been coming to you for years, but if you have, say you have someone new, like, May, like coming to you for the very first time. I know you're in, you said you're in people's faces, that kind of stuff. Do you, do you find people are concerned about that kind of stuff to begin with? I know we live in kind of a world that like any type of touching affection can be seen as too much type mm -hmm. of thing. So do you, do you find that, that like, does that bother you at all? Or are people like comfortable? I guess, how do you comfort people if they might be nervous or sure. anything along those lines? Yeah. I mean, I do think, um, you're absolutely right. There are, it's, but definitely paying attention to body language. So there are certain people that you can tell either their, their mother told them they should come in, their girlfriend or boyfriend told them they should come in. They, it wasn't like top on their list to come in. So you can mm -hmm. tell that they're a little hesitant, but it's kind of like slowly easing your way in. So maybe like just putting your hand on their arm as you're talking to them, sitting down and direct eye contact with them, which Lord knows that doesn't happen these days either. You know, just having a conversation and making them feel comfortable first before, okay, so now you're gonna go ahead and get changed and I'm gonna come in. And like I said, it's kind of slowly easing your way into not just putting your hands all over a person. I mean, when I do a spray tan, that's a totally different story because it's kind of like, all right, take your clothes off and let's just get going, you know? Rachel but I mean, for me is like, she's like, I'll step out. I'm like, nah, it's all good. Right. Just get naked. But it's, I mean, it, it for those kind of things where it's a very personal thing, I do feel like facials are a very personal thing because, you know, you have some massage in there, but it is sort of like just kind of easing your way into it and paying attention to people's boundaries and respecting their boundaries and making sure that they're comfortable before you you move forward, asking the right questions, um, that kind of thing too. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we do. That's been a big thing that I've realized just in the past probably like five to seven years that we are becoming a little bit more detached. You know, we text each other instead of calling. And so um, 
part of, I think, creating the experience of coming in is the touch and the listening to people and really paying attention. I mean, I all the time, I really um, take stock in my clients and their lives. So I'll follow up with them and be like, hey, how was that test or how was that job interview or something like that? Because it is important to me. My memory, I feel like, has gone down the tube since I've had kids. However, you asked me what I did last week and I couldn't tell you. You asked me what my client what vacation she took or what was going on and I got it like two seconds as soon as she walks in the door so it's those kind of things that will help build trust to make sure that they feel comfortable and they're like okay this person isn't just a total stranger to me she's you know becoming a part of my life and is invested in my life so definitely awesome and you're really good at that like I know we obviously have a like a friend relationship and a closer relationship than just like client and um, yes, esthetician. But for me, you're really good at remembering things I don't even remember about myself. I'll come in for an eyebrow wax and you're like, so how was the date with this guy? That's part how? of the helper thing. It's yes. in the description. It totally yes. is. <laughs> or you're like, oh, how was this thing at work? Did you, did you get it done? I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot I even, oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> like you are a superhuman. Um, so I, I do take notes on occasion just to make sure I'm going to remember. <laughs> <Right>. However, <laughs> I do have my eyes closed on the table. So maybe I just don't notice you taking notes. No, I'm kidding. Um, but as we wrap up today, I did also want to give you guys an update on the matchmaker situation. Yes. I went on the date. And? Mm. No. No. Okay. Okay, so. <laughs> How was where you went? Um, I love it there. Okay, good. I, I go really good things about it. Part of it was good, though. Yeah, yeah. I okay. go there frequently. Oh, you do? That's right, yes. yeah. Yeah, I go okay. there frequently because that place is near a place that I oh, frequent. Right, okay. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so the date was not one of the best, honestly. And okay, so I'll try to be as respectful as I can while also giving the listeners like the information that they're looking for, right? So I pulled in and then I saw him pull in. I was like, this is uncomfortable. Norm, Okay, disclaimer. If you don't know me, maybe you don't know this. Or if you do know me, you might not know this either. I love dates. I love a first date. I think of a first date as like a job interview. I love job interviews. Todd, my boss, if you're listening, don't worry. I'm not interviewing for jobs. <laughs> Calm down. I can hear your blood pressure rising, okay? Calm down. Um, but I love job interviews. I love first dates. I'm like, bring it on. Let's go. I'm going to tell you about me. I'm going to get, look, if you think about it, we're like digital base pro- baseball cards at this point in time, right? That's mm-hmm. what a dating profile is, essentially. Right. Um, but something about this made me uncomfortable. So I was like, I'm just going to wait for him to walk in and then I'm going to walk in after. So I walked in, I knew who he was because like I mentioned in the last episode, I had figured out who he was and I had seen a picture. So I approached him and I'm like, are you blank? I said his name. He's like, yes. I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. We sit down, you know, we're discussing some things about our lives. I can already tell that he's very reserved. I'm obviously not reserved at all (laughs) Um, (laughs) in the slightest. so we're talking about our lives a little bit. You know, we realized that we talked about a couple things that we didn't really have in common as much. And then um, we didn't end up getting dinner because he had already eaten, which is fine because I don't always love to get dinner if I'm not interested in the guy or the date. Um, but I would have appreciated if he asked me if I was hungry because I was. <laughs> right? I was like... Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so then we end up, you know, we're we're talking and like I'm kind of trying to pull teeth a little bit. 
like, why am I dominating this? I know I'm a little intense in that way sometimes, but I shouldn't have to like pull teeth, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't really align with what I'm looking for. I think I'm looking for someone who is, you know, definitely somebody who can kind of give me a run for my money in terms of enthusiasm, but I don't want them to be overbearing because that'd be exhausting because I'm exhausting. <laughs> So I'm not necessarily looking for somebody who can match me there. I'm just looking for somebody who you can need a balance. You need like yes. a counterbalance. Yeah, type yeah. Kind of like, yeah. like a Chip and Joanna situation. I'm a Chip. I don't mm -hmm. need a Chip. <laughs> I, I would love a Joanna, but I, Joanna can like totally give it back too. Mm -hmm. Like let's oh, not. Yeah. Let's she not, definitely does. Right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, to give you guys, the listeners, the the content you're really looking for on the state. What did we talk about? We got in a fight about who is the bigger Backstreet Boys fan. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> serious. Okay, it wasn't a fight necessarily, but it was, I mean, I was feeling a little defensive. Like and, who saw more concerts? Uh -huh. who... <laughs> but but it was also like, here's a piece of information I didn't know about the Backstreet Boys that I learned from this state, okay? So I'm talking to him about um, this concert that I went to of the Backstreet Boys in this particular time frame. And my date goes, was Brian's voice okay? I know that was that was a bad time for his voice. And I'm thinking like, I didn't know anything was wrong with his voice. I was born in 1994. Like, shouldn't I be the one who would know, like, those silly details, right? Yeah. Didn't know that. So I was like, but I had to play it cool because I had to be like, well, of course I knew that. But, so I was like, yeah, his voice is fine, right? But in my head, I'm just like, <laughs> what is he talking about? What? Right? We're talking about the Shania Twain concert, all the things. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know that this is, like, the type of conversation I want to be having on a first date. Like, it was just... It was, I don't know, it was not romantic, let's just say that. Um, and then here's the best part. Our date, or the conversation that happened next, we discussed, <laughs> I'm not kidding, you guys, I'm not joking. We discussed our theories of the John Benet Ramsey murder. What? <laughs> Did you realize how what? interested you are in, in those? And Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, but he, sure he, he was quickly. equally as interested, so I was like, Maybe the two of us shouldn't be in a room together because people are gonna think people are gonna overhear and be like, "They are oh nuts!" Oh my gosh! Right? He's like, "It was totally Burke with the pineapple." I'm like, "That's a," and I'm like, "Wow!" I mean, in that way, like, I kind of love that, but I'm also like, "This is not like a date conversation." Yeah, I feel like More talking like about child murders isn't the way to start a conversation. <laughs> right. Sorry, I just got like so thirsty and my mouth got like super cotton cottony. Um, but yeah, no. it was just like really uncomfortable. Um, so here's the kicker. The date is ending. Didn't get my dinner because he already told me he was not hungry. And then... I never he, asked you if you were hungry. Never asked me if I was hungry. Even like appetizers. You can get like a happy hour. Well, we did. We did get each... We got each a grilled oyster. But it was oh, like... That'll really fill you up. And even he like kind of made me feel bad about that. He was like, should we get a little appetizer? I was like... Yes, um, please. I'm starving yeah. right now. And, and I was like... I love oysters, do you? And he was like, no, but we'll get them. And I was like, oh, I don't want to, like, I'm, I'm not a picky eater, so, like, not a big deal. And he's like, we'll get them. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> we'll get them. <laughs> so awkward. <laughs> so awkward. So then here's the kicker, though. As we're leaving the date, he's like, okay, so the matchmakers will contact you, and they'll send you a survey about me and a questionnaire. I was just going to ask that if, yep. they, if you had to take yep. a survey after. Yep. What? He goes, uh, we'll send you the questionnaire, and that's where we go from here. So then I, I did get the survey. I got it that night. Um, I filled it out and I like felt so guilty here. Like another, you know, obviously we've been talking about like 
being really nice and, you know, the, the helper factor on the, on the Enneagram. But I, like, felt really guilty answering honestly because I'm like, he's going to read this. He told me that he reads the surveys. Like, you know, I don't want to hurt his feelings. He told me that, like, he doesn't use dating apps because he's – he this I think his words were swiping is not my thing. And he told me that he doesn't feel comfortable approaching women in, in like, bars or in public places. And I'm like, well, that's, that's, like, the world we live in. Like, good for you that, like, you can afford a service like this. But, like, if it doesn't work, then what? You're going to have to learn how to do one or the other. Mm-hmm. That's just how, you know. Um, so I filled out the survey. And then I was like, you know what? I am going to answer honestly. I don't owe him anything. I don't know mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. I'm not being mean. Mm-hmm. I'm just answering the questions that are asked right. of me. I don't have to say, like, I don't have to be harsh. Um, but I do have to be honest because, you know, I owe it to him. He was a nice guy, generally speaking. So I owe it to him to, like, give him the feedback that he's paying for. Not paying me for, but, mm-hmm. you know, in this service. So um, I gave him a one. One was the least interested and ten was the most. And they called me the next day, the matchmakers did, and they were like, oh, so it wasn't a connection. And I was like, no, um, you know, nice guy, just, you know, not what I'm looking for. And that was pretty much that. So that's the update on the matchmaking situation. Uh, It was very interesting to go on a date like that, but um, that person will not be getting a second date from me. Well, all right. Yeah. I feel like that happens, and I feel like it's a good. That's it's a great thing that you were honest in your survey because you could have been polite. And you're like, oh, it just wasn't for me, as opposed to like helping him kind of grow because obviously this isn't an area he's comfortable in. Right. So I feel like you were giving great feedback to the matchmaker to maybe him on stuff he could work on. Maybe mm-hmm. don't lead with some inv- don't lead with some questions that you might not want to lead with. Um, different things like that. So. I don't know, you can look at it in that respect. Like, it's not something that you should feel guilty about giving that type of survey response back to him because it's coming from a good place that you're like, okay, I feel like you need to hear this as someone who experiences a date with you. Like, yeah. I think this is something that you should maybe bear in mind next time kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, yeah, so don't feel bad about it. I don't think you should feel, like, guilty or anything. the feedback part, I would just That's die. tough. Yeah, yeah you have I don't to have thick skin for that. Yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. I can handle that. No. So no. I'm like, you know what? Maybe we give him a little bit of credit where credit's due. He might not be comfortable approaching someone at a bar, but if he's comfortable getting tons of feedback that maybe isn't favorable, right. maybe he has more guts than I think he does. Yeah. I mean, that's not easy. Right. Mm-hmm. People don't always want a mirror held up in front of them. Yeah, no. No. So <laughs> if you've been listening to the past few episodes, an addition that we've made is that we've been including a book recommendation at the end. Just a fun little tidbit. Um, The two books that I'm going to recommend today are both of the books by Andy Dorfman. Um, I got a lot of good feedback about episode five and how we did a little bit of bachelor talk in there. So I thought, okay, if, you know, if you guys have been telling me a lot that you like episode one and the content there about abusive relationships, as well as the bachelor talk, why don't we just do a book recommendation that combines the two? So the two books that she has written are called It's Not Okay and Single State of Mind. Um... She doesn't name drop, even though it's obvious, so I won't name drop the the guy either. But basically, she gives us a behind-the-scenes look into um, one of her Bachelor Nation relationships and how it was not healthy. 
And then the second book is about how once she finally healed some more from that relationship and from that breakup, she pursued a dream of moving to New York City and lived on her own in a new city for the first time. So um, if that is something that interests you, whether it's abusive relationships or Bachelor Nation or just that type of content in general, wanting to you know move somewhere and start a new life for yourself, maybe not a new life, but a new um, job or a new environment, then definitely recommend checking out those books. Um, I read them both last year on Labor Day weekend, and I actually like read them in one setting. Like I read one, I finished it, and then I read the other one in one setting, and I don't do that very much um, with any book at all. So I really liked it and recommend it to you. And then for the quote of the day, um, this is an actual Criminal Minds airplane quote. So when I say airplane quote, I realize that if you didn't catch the episode where I started doing this, you might not know what I mean. Each Criminal Minds episode starts and ends with a quote, and they say the quote, the narrator says the quote, while the cast is on their airplane, on their jet, going to solve the mystery. Um, So that's what I mean when I say airplane quote. But this one in particular is, find the place inside where there's joy, and the joy will burn out the pain. That's by Joseph Campbell. And what I like about that quote is I feel like I can relate to it by um, just the joy I've gotten from this podcast. I think this podcast, but really just like having a creative project in general, has really helped has really helped me heal um, in ways I didn't know I still needed healing. Like it's very cathartic and therapeutic to talk about a lot of this stuff. So I'm definitely um, I'm definitely encouraging you guys. I want to give you the challenge of finding something that you know maybe is a strength inside of you that you aren't really using right now or a passion that you haven't really pursued, um, be brave enough to pull that out of you and to do something with it because a lot of good can come from that and, you know, it can kind of burn out the pain that you might not even be realizing that you're still experiencing. Um, we are wrapping up here. Episode six is coming to an end. This was so much fun. Rachel, thank you so much for being here in studio with us. You are so welcome. It was so, so much fun. I did want to give one tidbit of information because a lot of people ask summertime. Oh, yeah. Recommendations SPF. Please do. Big thing Perfect ending. that people don't think about is powdered facial sunscreen. Comes in a little wand, mm-hmm. has the little brush at the end because a lot of people hate the feeling of like sticky sunscreen on their face. I carry it with me. I use it on my kids. It's easy to apply on them. It's easy to apply at the beach. You just keep it in your purse. That's my big recommendation, my big tidbit for the summer. You plug the brand. Um, I have used Eminence before. I have, I think it's Color Science right now. And then I've seen a bunch of other ones online too that have gotten great reviews. I know Peter Thomas Roth makes one also. Yep, we carry that at Sephora as well. Oh, you do. So you guys can come see me if you're listening and I will gladly guide you to that. Okay, perfect. So yes, <laughs> but thank you. It has been so much fun. I'm so glad that we made this happen. Well, I definitely want to have you back in studio. Um, again, for our listeners, remember that you can get 10% off of Rachel's products with code ENOUGH10 on her website and that is linked in the show notes. And Rachel... Go ahead and give yourself a plug. Tell us where we can find you on Instagram, where we can shop your brand, uh, where we can come see you if you want a service. Absolutely. So you can find all of the things uh, through my website, which is www.rachelferraroaesthetics.com. And there's a lot of spelling in there, so I'm not going to spell it all out for you, but you'll find it. Don't worry. And on there, you can actually book appointments. You can ask me questions, send emails that way, and find all of the products that I offer. I do have Facebook and website, and they're both rachelferraroaesthetics.com. And I am located in Mount Airy, Maryland, right on Main Street, inside of Studio Allure Hair Design. And then your Instagram? Instagram is also Rachel Ferraro Aesthetics. Perfect. 
Give her a follow. She's great. Posts all kinds of awesome skincare tips all the time. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. Thank you to our sponsor, Rave Suits. Remember that you can get 15% off of your purchase off of your very own Rave Suit with code ENOUGH. Both of these links are in the show notes, like I said. Um, you can also find them in the bio, the link in bio on my personal Instagram, Anna Meesh. And Meesh is M-E-E-S-H. Just a quick little tidbit. A lot of people in college thought that my last name was Meesh. Like one of my good friends still has me in his phone as Anna Meesh. They thought that was my last name. Um, my last name is Laramore. It's not Meesh. And Meesh comes from my middle name, Michelle. So if you ever wondered like what the heck is Meesh, it's nothing. It's just my middle name. Nobody even calls me that. I mean, people call me that now. Like, people will know me as my Instagram name and be like, Anna Mish. But it's not, like, an, a nickname I grew up with or anything like that, just so you know. But, all right. Same spiel as always. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe, share with a friend. If you have comments, questions, anything you want us to address on the podcast or anything you want us to share, please email us at podcast at enoughbiz.com. That's podcast at enoughbiz.com. You can also DM us on Instagram at The Enough Podcast. Make sure that you also join our Facebook group. It's called The Enough Podcast Facebook group. It's a closed group. I will be sure to add you um, after you've requested to join. We have lots of exciting guests and content in our lineup this summer and beyond. The lineup does shift around a little bit sometimes for various reasons, just because life happens but you'll know about episode seven very soon. So for today, that's enough and we'll catch you next time.